Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, April 6th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The U.S. is calling for a global minimum tax for corporations. And we'll look at the bond investors who took huge risks at the outset of the pandemic who are now seeing the payoff. Plus, the global shortage of semiconductors has put the spotlight on a little-known but extremely important group that is dominating chip production. In the light of global supply chain realignment, other governments are also thinking about, do we need reshore chip production ourselves? We'll take a look at perhaps the most important company you've never heard of. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. This week, global leaders are gathering, virtually, for the annual spring meetings of the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. And as things were getting started yesterday, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen floated this big idea. Together, we can use a global minimum tax to make sure the global economy thrives based on a more level playing field in the taxation of multinational corporations. A global minimum corporate tax. Now, this proposal also comes as President Joe Biden wants an increase to the U.S. corporate tax rate from 21% to 28%. He wants this to pay for his multi-trillion dollar infrastructure plan. The FT's Washington bureau chief, James Politi, says a global minimum corporate tax would set a level that multinationals would have to abide by. I think the big question is who, who is going to agree to it, um, what the level is going to be, and will it be sort of effective enough at uh, stopping what we've seen as the sort of pervasive use of tax havens and low-tax jurisdictions to avoid sort of hefty tax bills. So James, U.S. companies are complaining that higher U.S. taxes will make them less competitive globally. Uh, is the proposal that Yellen laid out yesterday aimed at addressing this? Well, so it aims to stop a sort of race to the bottom internationally. So it, it aims to create a system where all of America's major trading partners and sort of investment locations are taxing their companies at the same or similar level and that it will be much harder for companies to game the system. It's a goal that I think previous Democratic administrations, particularly Barack Obama, had tried to tackle, but were you know, never quite able to achieve that. And it's something that, that the Biden administration is sort of desperate to correct and, and has made uh, now, um, has really put at the fore of its um, economic agenda. So we'll see how that goes. I think there'll be a big negotiation over this. The outcome is still uncertain. Uh, there'll be a big uh, sort of opposition from business groups and from Republicans. And internationally, I think there will be competing interests from different countries. So I think on both fronts, it'll be a very sort of tough negotiation and a, in a way a, a fascinating one to follow in the next few months. James Politi is the FT's Washington bureau chief. Bond buyers who took a chance on hard-hit companies are sitting pretty right now. Let's take investors who were willing to buy bonds in the cruise operator Carnival Corporation at the start of the pandemic. As that business was getting crushed, it had to pawn its ships as collateral, and investors demanded an interest rate of 11.5%. Big stuff. Fast forward to today. Carnival is still burning through $600 million per month. The ships used for the bond deals are still docked. The company is still waiting for the U.S. to lift its ban on cruises, but 
the yield on those Carnival bonds has dropped to below 4% as their value has risen. So Carnival bond buyers have made some hefty returns. And it's not just that one cruise line. Overall, U.S. high-yield bonds have returned more than 23% to investors to the 12 months to the end of March. That's according to the market research company ICE Data Services. One portfolio manager called this astonishing. Investors and analysts credit the Federal Reserve's historic decision last spring to buy corporate bonds to support the market. One of the big economic disruptions of this pandemic has been the shortage of semiconductors, or computer chips. The shortage has highlighted just how many industries depend on chips and the companies that make them. One of the biggest of these companies is the little-known Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. So TSMC uh, may have been uh, maybe the most important company you've never heard of. It is a, a Taiwanese company. It's listed in Taiwan and it holds more than 50% of the world market of made-to-order chips. Catherine Hilla is the FT's Greater China correspondent. She's been writing about TSMC. TSMC has kind of jumped onto the world public uh, or news agenda because of the auto chip shortage. So many people started hearing about TSMC for the first time in their lives because there's a shortage of chips using cars. But chips for cars actually account for only 3% of TSMC's revenue, which is also why this is not a huge priority for this company right now. So, Catherine, TSMC, as you've reported, has invested massively in cutting-edge technology. It's expanding its production in Taiwan. And other big global brands like Intel are actually outsourcing some of their own processor production to TSMC. I guess, is TSMC becoming too influential? All this attention is a little uh, new for the company. And this started probably with the US-China tech war. So uh, TSMC suddenly finds itself bang in the middle of this geopolitical contest because you can have a lot of software and advanced technology in chip design, but you still need the hardware that TSMC makes. You you still need chips, the, the very real physical chips to make anything running on AI or or anything running on software uh, to to make it work, to make it run. So uh, TSMC suddenly found itself faced with a lot of attention, also with a lot of demands, for example, to set up a chip fab in the US for for security reasons. And and, uh, I think they're they're learning to deal with this attention. So can you talk more uh, about how TSMC has been navigating this high-tech rivalry between the US and China? TSMC has agreed to invest $12 billion in a new fab in Arizona. That was, say, under pressure from the Trump administration that the company agreed to do that. The problem now is that there are that these demands are mushrooming. Governments in other countries, in the light of the US-China tech rivalry and in the light of global supply chain realignment, other governments are also thinking about, uh, do we need reshored chip production ourselves? So there are considerations in the EU, for example, that Europe needs to bring back some of the uh, chip manufacturing capability that it ha- has lost. And the idea is, well, uh, let's have TSMC as well. And I think at some point, the company will have to balance this with their uh, established business model because one reason it is so incredibly profitable is because 
its chip fabs are close to one another. They can share equipment, they can share talent and engineering resources between all these fabs, which are mostly in Taiwan. If they start getting really spread out, it might be a problem. Now, is China trying to get TSMC's technology for itself, Catherine? Uh, China has tried uh, to get the technology themselves for a long, long, long time. Uh, China's domestic uh, chip industry is led by a company called uh, SMIC, Semiconductor Manufacturing International. They are in the same industry TSMC is in, but they have constantly lagged TSMC by several technology nodes, and the gap has not narrowed. Um, They certainly have tried. They've aggressively tried to poach talent from TSMC and other Taiwanese chipmakers. China has also uh, invested massively and and given a lot of uh, state subsidies to chip manufacturing companies. But so far, they haven't managed to catch up. So it's a real technology hurdle there. Catherine Hilla is the FT's Greater China correspondent. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Before we go, the video game retailer GameStop is trying to cash in on the popularity of its stock. GameStop shares have soared as amateur traders congregating on social media took a liking to it. Yesterday, GameStop announced plans to issue up to three and a half million new shares worth no more than a billion dollars through an at-the-market offering. This allows the issuer to raise cash bit by bit over the course of months or years as the struggling brick-and-mortar company tries to turn itself around. Issuing more stock will dilute the share price, and the share price did drop by nearly 2.5% on Monday, but GameStop investors can't complain too much. A year ago, share was worth 3 bucks and change. Now, it's worth nearly $190. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.,